One of our traditions in our faith family is the Sunday after Labor Day weekend every year, we have what's called Vision Sunday. If you've been a part of church, you've been a part of these. It's basically a time where um, everyone is kind of getting back together because of the fall rhythms, and it's really a time for all of us to uh, kind of get our hearts and our heads and our hands together to see what is God up to in the life of our church as a ministry for the next uh, you know, chapter. We try to do this in September and also at the beginning of February. That's our normal rhythms. Now, normally what we would do if we had a place is we'd have a big party afterwards. We, in the past, have called it Fall Fiesta, and those are some of my favorite memories, obviously. Not possible today. Um, this one um, I feel a bit bad about because what I've always tried to do in the past is come with lots of great inspiring vision and like plans and here's like the things that you can plug into. It appears that the season that we're in right now is not conducive for that. Um, but I do feel like we can accomplish the same result. And, uh, and perhaps I think this is maybe the most important Vision Sunday we've ever had in our nine years as a church. And uh, so I am um, nervous <laughs> to share with you, but I'm also in an odd way uh, peaceful and hopeful that God is about to do something very significant in the life of our church. That's my hope, that's my prayer, and I want to encourage you to join me in that. Uh, everyone, and you've heard me say this over the last year, year and a half, is, and it's never been more true than right now, but everybody, and in particular, if we put it into the church world, every church has experienced what I call a cocktail of profound disruption, cascading crises, grief, loss, change, uh, it, the, this season that we're in has been hard for everybody. It's been hard for pastors. It's been hard for parishioners. It's been hard for churches. It's been hard for everybody. Every pastor I talk to I feels exactly like I feel, uh, feels exactly how we feel. Uh, I talked to a pastor in our city a couple weeks ago, and he said, man, before the pandemic, we had 700 people. And right now we have 200 showing up and we're not even sure like who's a part of our church anymore. Most statistics have shown that um, most churches have experienced anywhere from 20% to 50% of their church return um, as of right now. So, so that means that uh, there are some churches who've experienced 80% just disappear. And on the high side, some churches have experienced about 50%. And that, that's across, um, I believe that's across all of North America. We're living in an interesting, profound, very hard season as, uh, as a church just in, in America, but in particular, particularly in our church. And I want you to know that whatever you're feeling, um, whether it's grief or loss or sadness or frustration, you're not alone. We all feel that. I feel that. I have long feared, as I've said many times, that COVID was going to kill our church. COVID has done a number on our church, but I don't think it has to kill it. And I believe that in this uh, problem that we have, uh, in particular, uh, being stuck in this liminal space of not having a place to meet in that's ours, um, that actually the Lord's in that and we have a great opportunity to learn what it means to be the church and to desperately seek for his will and provision, regardless of what our will is, regardless of what our agenda is. Uh, there are two significant questions I want to put before us and I want to try my best to answer and to encourage you to ask and to answer and we can do this together. The first is, what does it mean to be a church? In the New Testament sense, what does it actually mean to be a church? The, the word in the New Testament, the Greek word is ekklesia. What does it mean to be an ekklesia? Not what does it mean to have a church service? Not what does it mean to have a church staff, but what does it mean to actually be this thing that the New Testament calls the, uh, the way or the ekklesia of God? 
And uh, I've taught this many times, but if you're new and you've not ever considered, actually, what, what distinguishes the church from, say, the Rotary Club? Um, no, no harm on the Rotary Club. I used to be a Rotarian, but, but why is the church different? And we're going to talk about that. And the second question would be, uh, how do we move forward? as in our calling and in our assignment as a church. Not how do we go back? Not how do we go back to what we had at the warehouse and not how do we go back to what we had at Hawthorne. How do we move forward? We give thanks to everything that's back here that God's done. And not that we want to throw the baby out with the bathwater and say, let's redesign everything. No, 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 no. But instead of Going back, instead of staying right here, how, God, how are you calling us to take a step and move forward? It feels like um, what we have done so far has been our best understanding of God's will up until this point. But over the summer and right now, we have increasingly felt like what, how we're organized, what we're doing is not serving us well anymore. And it seems like it's time to, to change, to make a pivot, to do something differently and it's time to move forward, it's time to move on. It's time to get out of pandemic mode and it's time to um, reconnect and rebuild as a church. So those are two questions. What does it mean to be a church? How do we move forward in, in our calling and our assignment to be that local church? So I'd love to um, frame our time in the scriptures in Ephesians chapter four. It's been an incredible frame for me um, really all of my ministry, but in, in particular in this time. So if you have a Bible, please turn to Ephesians 4. We'll read uh, verses 1 to 16. I'm going to skip a few in the middle just because for the sake of time. Ephesians 4, chap uh, chapter 4, verse 1. I therefore... Um, and actually, let me back up because every time I see therefore, yes, what's therefore, therefore, and just the best sentence, the past two sentences of chapter, the last two verses of chapter three says, now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think according to the power at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever, amen. So great. I mean, we could preach on that. Awesome. Next sentence. I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. Here's how. With humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gifts. What we're saying there is like, hey, we are one in the body of Christ, but each one of us has a special grace. Now, I'm going to um, skip the next uh, three verses just because he kind of goes off on a rabbit trail. You can read them, they're fine, but I, I think there's power in reading verse seven and 11 together because that keeps his train of thought. Verse seven again, but grace was given to each one of us, each one of us, you and me, according to the measure of Christ's gift, verse 11, and, so there's the continuation of the thought, and he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers for this reason, not to give you a great Sunday service, which is part of the deal, but, but to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for the building up the body of Christ. Man, I just felt the Lord say, Drew, you don't need a building. You need to build the body of Christ, right? I want a building. But what we're called to do is to build the body of Christ, not build with bricks. Although that's fine too. Verse 13, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, to the measure, that's the measuring stick, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ so that we may no longer be children 
tossed to and fro by the waves, carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes, but rather speaking the truth in love. We are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint, with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Hear the word of the Lord. I have struggled with titling this, but I think one of the working titles I have in my mind is one of those last verses there that says, when each part is working properly. And that's my pastoral burden is, Lord, how do we get each part of our body to work properly so that we are building each other up into maturity, no longer being children, and that we are becoming more like Christ, that we're not moved by the craftiness of the schemes of the world or by the sufferings of the world, but we are growing up into be people of love in that That doesn't happen magically and it doesn't happen because I do that to you, but it's because we are all coming together as one body in Christ, loving and serving one another according to the graces that God has given each one of us. So my burden today, and I want to, I don't know if that's the right word, but what I want to share with you is how and where is God calling us to connect, to be equipped, to be joined. We all feel alone and disconnected. There's a holy desire to be joined. How do we be joined so that we can grow up in love? Come on, I can hear you you saying amen through this. All right, so um, I want, from that place, I want to answer. I want to answer the question is, what does it mean to be a church? Well, let's be super quick. But in the New Testament, the Greek word ekklesia is translated into the word church. Fine definition, however, because most people associate church with a building or a service, when we think of church, we as Western postmodern Americans have this idea of a church building with a steeple with a bunch of people in it singing. That's not sinful. But that is not the definition that the New Testament gives. Those things are part of it, but the definition of church is way bigger than building and service. Although if you ask uh, unbelievers, what is a church? Draw you a picture of a church, they'd draw a building with a steeple. If you ask believers, they'd probably draw you a building or like something along, like a, a worship service. I think that'd be foreign to the New Testament. Uh, uh, some other translations um, would that would be better would be um, the assembly of God is, is, is translated sometimes, or some people like to say the gathering of God, right? The church is the gathering of God's people who are doing the stuff that he's called them to do, right? And so this is from, I think this is from Alan Hirsch, a great Australian professor, but um, he points out that in the New Testament, we really see five ingredients to ecclesia. The first is the gospel, Right in the middle of everything is the gospel of Jesus Christ. We are a gospel-formed community. We're here not because of the Rotary Club. We're we're here not because of affinity. We're We're here not because of political ideologies. We're here because of the cross of Christ, because of Calvary, because of the good news message that because of the life, death, resurrection of Jesus, the kingdom of heaven is now available to you and I who were once strangers and aliens to God's way and his promise. That is the good news, is that because of God's effort, we now have access into relationship with him. That is the gospel. That's the center of everything here. And what that gospel creates is a community. Around the second ingredient would be a, a what we would call just a covenant community, not words we would really use today, but, but this is different than consumers. This is a community, a family, gathered because of what God has done, not because of what we have done, what we would prefer to have done, but because of what God has done. And there's a covenant. Not a contract, but there's a covenant. Right, so, so, so church is, in the New Testament language, or New Testament sense, the gospel-centered 
And that gospel creates a covenant community. And then that gospel-centered covenant community does at least three things that we can see through the pattern of Acts in the early church and through the epistles. They reach up, they reach in, they reach out. They reach up in worship, they lift holy hands and praise God from whom all blessings flow. That's a very important part of being the church. They reach in to one another in fellowship and also in in formation. Iron sharpens iron. We grow the most when we're with this, this covenant community. And yes, I can grow by studying the scriptures and praying off in my closet, but man, where I really grow, where the rubber hits the road is in relationships with other people. We reach up, we lift holy hands to worship to the Lord. We reach in to one another. There's like, I think, 59 one another's, 59 one another commands in the New Testament, I think. think. Reaching into one another is a huge part. And then we reach out to the world. We, we're not um, an insular club. What I love about the church is it has, when it's working, exists for the benefit of those who aren't its members. So if you were ever wondering what does it mean to be a church, an ecclesia, according to the New Testament and early church history, is that there is a gospel in the middle that forms a covenant community, and that community worships, fellowships, forms, and does mission. Now, uh, the graphic that we have put together shows very um, clearly how all these things are, and they're very kind of segregated. But I think a better, um, uh, when I was showing this last year to uh, my friend Serena, she pointed out, actually, there's so much overlap. And so we, we redid it and created more of a Venn diagram to show how these things really relate. You know, worship bleeds into these other areas and fellowship information bleeds in and, and outreach uh, bleeds in. And, and it's not just like you do this and then you do this and you calendar it and all these, but no, like sometimes we're doing all three of these things. Sometimes we're doing two of them or, or a, a mixture of these. And, and it's, it's, it's way more nuanced and blurry than like here's the five ingredients. They get mixed into one another. If Ecclesia is a cake. These are the ingredients that you throw in the, the, the bowl and you mix, right? So um, that being said, what I'd like to do is just zoom out of this and look at those, the three ingredients of worship, fellowship and formation, and mission, and just share with you some of the things that, um, you know, we've been thinking on for, a, for probably a year, more than that, especially in this season, and going, Lord, okay, we don't necessarily know what to do in these areas. Some we do, some we don't. Some of the timing we know, some of the timing we don't know. Um, when, when I've shared this, uh, so grateful. Uh, I'll use an illustration that I uh, hope will help you. I am at my best when I'm a giraffe. When my head is like tall and like looking out on the horizon, that's how God uses me. God uses me the most as a giraffe, not a buffalo. Uh, buffalo or bison have their head in dirt moving ground, doing the details, right? I'm not really a details person. I care about the details, but God used me best uh, when my perspective is larger and I'm dreaming and thinking and praying and looking at big picture stuff. God doesn't use me best when I when my head's in the dirt. So grateful God sent so many bison around us and here that immediately is like, oh, what about this? What? And it's great, right? So what I want to do is, in case you're a bison, um, praise God for you. I need you. However, what I want to do is I want to have a giraffe conversation. And if any of your bison tendencies come up, write those down and send those in because we need, there's a lot here to discern on what does that look like? When's the time? What's the sequence? We got to figure that out. And we need you to help us figure that out. So I want to, I want to articulate what I'm doing is saying this giraffe this is part of what I know right now. And we need to figure out how do we make this concrete, right? So, okay, worship. I think the number one need in our church, as you would know, is we need to find a place that we can meet in and worship weekly in person. When things got shut down in March of 2020, 
On a Friday at four o'clock, the school district emailed me and said, you can't meet this coming Sunday. And we had everything planned, ready to go. We were keeping an eye on COVID, didn't realize how big of a deal it was. I don't think anyone did until like that midweek of spring break. And I saw church cancel the next two weeks. And I was like, y'all are crazy. You're canceling two weeks in a row. We reluctantly, I mean, we had no choice but to cancel that one week. And I just recorded the sermon in a microphone and put it on a pod, on the podcast on Saturday. Didn't even have a camera. And then found out, well, we can't meet the next week. And then uh, borrowed a camera from Tanner and tried to, you know, the setup. And man, if you would have told me in March 2020 that 18 months later, we'd still be in this position, I would have not believed you or I would have quit. Um, we're not here by our will or design. If we still had the warehouse, we would have been back last year. Um, we, when, we, um, when we signed the contract with the school district in, at the end of 2019, we moved to the school first Sunday of January 2020, thinking it's going to be a new year, new vision. Ten weeks later, slap in the face. <sighs> I lament. But... Uh, the, the contract we had for Hawthorne was, was only for the year 2020. And so in May of 2021, they reached out and said, hey, we're opening the school back in. We can't do a, uh, in order to do in, uh, weekly, we would need to go before the school board and get a new contract approved. And that was something we weren't, uh, sure, they weren't sure that they could do it. We weren't sure if we wanted that because of the price and because we weren't sure how many people would come back, if people were itching to come back or people were still scared. Had no clue. That was May of this year. And, and our thought was, well, let's try June. Let's try August. Let's try September. And let's see if, let's see where our people are. And if our people are like, nope, we don't want to come, then we're not going to like put the gas. What we found out is like, nope. Like I think we've had about 90 at, the last macro gatherings we've done, um, the last three, um, you know, last June and, and in August, and so we get we okay. No, no one's scared anymore. Most people aren't scared anymore. It's time to do this. Um, but then we had a price. You know, Hawthorne's fifteen hundred a week. No one thinks six grand a month is a good investment. We're I think at a loss of about five grand a month. So. We're actually losing money and dipping into our savings each month. We, even if we, even if it was flipped and we had six grand, even if we had eleven more grand a month, I don't know that we would say, but six there, no. Uh, so uh, we've had this financial obstacle with Hawthorne, and um, we have not even been sure that they would approve this. And I got an email this week saying, "Hey, we're still waiting on a, a word from the superintendent that they." Um, they may shut down the schools again to outsiders. Um, if it happens soon, um, we'll still allow you to meet on this coming Sunday. But afterwards, you need to, you, you, you need to find a different venue. So um, Hawthorne is not an option. <laughs> Financially, from the school district side, um, I'm assuming that this Sunday at Hawthorne that we're meeting on uh, this weekend is probably our last time there. We, f we know that it is time to find a place to meet in, weekly in person. Um, we have uh, knocked on the doors of churches that meet on Saturdays. We found a Seventh-day Seventh Adventist church meets on Saturday, reached out to them during the summer, uh, said, hey, would you interested, are you interested in um, uh, renting your place on Sunday? And they said, we're very interested, send us an email sent an email, we've called and called and called and called, emailed, 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 and the, the trail's gone cold. We've looked at other places, not interested. I really don't wanna get a trailer and go get a movie theater or a um, hotel room and do a lot of setup. And so um, in the midst of that, we've had four churches in our area reach out to me over the past year and have said on this, like without me prompting, has said, hey, if you need a place to meet on like an off time, like a Sunday night or a Saturday night, like you can use our space. And I've always said, no, our people wouldn't do that. I know that that would be hard for young families, et cetera. But um, 
I'm wondering if we need to seriously entertain that. Um, we have tried to find a place to meet on Sunday mornings and we have not found anything yet. Um, we have found some places that are for sale, but they're half a million dollars or they're $800,000 and they need a ton of work. And we don't feel like we don't have that. And I don't think we need a construction project. We need to minister. And so this is the spot where I want to be completely honest with you. Um, so what I would like for you to do is um, if you're watching or listening um, in uh, the description of this video, there, there's a link to a survey and it'll be on our website. It's a very simple survey. And, and, and that is what, what would you prefer? Option one, keep doing what we're doing and keep looking for, like hold tight and look for an imper a Sunday morning spot. I don't think anyone would say that. I'm not voting for that. But if that's where you are, I wanna hear that that's where you are. The second option would be go to San Pedro Park or find a tree and just deal with the, the weather, whether it's hot or raining or a snow storm, whatever. Um, if, that's, if that's what everyone wants to do, I would do it. I think that would be super hard on kids, but, and I don't know if that's sustainable, but that's an option, that's an idea. Option three would be um, go to an existing church and use their space on an off time. And there's several times, you know, and so what, what I would love for you to know is which one of those would you prefer? Um, and in particular, if you choose option three, which is go to an existing church, at an off time and change your rhythms or whatever. Um, what is, was Saturday night best for you? Is Sunday night best for you? Um, you know, I thought if we did that, we would do like five to 6.30 or something like that. Like uh, not do it super late. Um, I don't know how that messes with nap times and your rhythm and everything. Uh, I have a preference, I'm not gonna tell you because I don't wanna influence you, but I, 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 we need to hear from you. And, and go to, um, in this description, there's a link to the survey or you can go on our website. It, it'll take five seconds. There's nothing else, you don't have to say who you are, it's just one, two, or three. And if it's three, is it this one or this one? And we are the body. And I will do whatever our body needs. I do not like preaching into a camera. I'm an extrovert. This is old. I don't like it. But if that's what you want, I'll do it. I don't think it's what you want. But I want to know what, where you're at. Uh, the, the next part of worship is serving. Um, I, be I believe it's God's will for us to get to in-person weekly as soon as possible. But here's the deal. To do that, we need people to help. We need people to serve our children. We need people to serve on the worship team. We need people to serve on the AV team. We need people to serve on the hospitality team. We need people to serve on a prayer team and be available to pray for people who are in need. We need people to serve on the communion team. And if I'm missing any anything else, um, you know, some sort of a setup or tear down or cleanup, uh, we need we need people for that. For us to move to um, to uh, in person weekly, it's going to require everybody stepping up and serving. And so um, I want to just be clear about that. Family and kids. Um, one of the most difficult parts of this pandemic has been the effect it's had on children and families and parents. It's been hard on lots of people in different ways, but we have young children and we know that pain very intimately. Um, over the 18 months, we have continually asked our parents, hey, what do you need? Do you need us to do a kid's ministry for you? Do you need us, do you need us to do a video for kids? And Overwhelmingly, what we've heard is like um, the majority of people said, hey, we're overwhelmed. We don't, we don't need something else to do. And we're kind of not sure about like our kids being around other kids because of all of this. And um, so we've just been in this holding pattern. But I, I feel like going forward, we need, we need to change that. Um, when, we do meet in, when we do meet weekly, um, ministering to our kids, 
teaching them prayer, teaching them um, about Jesus, letting them be with others is super vital. And uh, we need uh, not just that, but we need someone who feels called to pastor towards those ends. We don't know if that is we need to re reconfigure our staff and if Jake needs to be the, the family pastor now, uh, we don't know if that's um, someone here inside of our church that needs to step up. I have no clue, but what we do know is that um, we, we, we need a, a shepherd, we need a director, we need a leader, a minister who not just loves kids and is not just like volunteering, getting volunteers for kids, but, but can pastor moms and dads. In, in creative and consistent ways. And so um, it's a thing that's on the board. It's like, okay, how do we pastor moms and dads and their kids coming out of this pandemic? Um, so that's a, a piece on here. That's giraffe. We don't have details on it, but that's our heart. That's what we feel God calling us to do. And I want to ask you to be praying about that. And if you've got ideas or discernment on that, help us. If that, right, if that sparks something in you, Raise your hand, let us know. The next one, take a time to keep moving on, is um, fellowship and formation. Um, it's such a huge piece, okay? We've always been a church of um, smaller groups. That's how we started. In the pandemic, all of our groups kind of died or morphed into micro-gatherings. And so as we come out of this pandemic and as we come out of pandemic mode, um, a, a big thing ahead of us is how do we move forward in relaunching small groups, training up small group leaders, figuring out what that looks like with who, where, all that stuff. Um, I'm th we're thinking of, okay, this quarter, what do we need to do to start cultivating leaders? Um, you know, like, like, what is it? We don't have timelines, but we know like, okay, this is a huge piece. Um, another piece of that is integrating emotionally healthy discipleship into our church. Next week, I believe, the week after, we are launching a pilot of Emotionally Healthy Spirituality, the part one of the, the EHD, or Emotionally Healthy Discipleship course. If you're not familiar with Emotionally Healthy Discipleship, just Google it. It's great stuff used all around the world. It's been a blessing to me. I first came across it in 2015. I was burning out, and um, it really changed my life. Um, we are piloting that next week with uh, people who have signed up, which I think is like maybe 12 at this point, which is perfect. Um, if you, we're not trying to get a bunch of people, but if you would like to uh, commit to it, go to our website and sign up for it. Um, but this isn't a Bible study, it's not a small group material, it's a course. And it's something that um, we're, we want to incorporate into the life and the leadership of our church. It's not something we just do once, but it is, it is the beginning of a process of what does it look like to become emotionally healthy in our love with the Lord. And then second part, which we'll do in the new year, which is what does it look like to have emotionally healthy relationships, which is a huge need in the body of Christ. And so um, this fall, starting next week, we will be teaching through emotionally healthy spiritual. So even if you don't sign up for the course, you're gonna get some of this stuff. We're gonna start putting it in the water, so to speak. Uh, Be the Bridge has been a great ministry that we've been um, working on for um, some time now. We did two pilot groups in um, the early part of this year. We had planned on doing them again this fall, um, but we have a capacity issue and an energy issue. So our plan is to um, launch those groups again in January of 2022, um, discipling people into what it into God's heart towards um, ethnic diversity which the church has just gotten wrong for so long, um, is a big part. It's been a big part of my story, and it's been a big part about our story here since 2000, I believe, 16. Um, you know, we've been reading and talking about those, uh, those issues behind the scenes in various degrees, and it's just progressed and progressed, and we feel strongly, uh, regardless of how the world talks about it, regardless of the political division over it, that the scriptures are pretty, pretty clear uh, that through Jesus Christ, he tore down the wall of hostility between Jew and Gentile in the church. And in the church, I'm sad to report to you that we've done a good job rebuilding that wall of hostility and protecting it. And um, the church has to do better. And we, we need to reflect the heart of God towards all of our brothers and sisters in the faith, especially those who don't have skin that looks like mine. 
We are not any better. I'm not any better. And so Be the Bridge is a huge thing. Uh, and we, we hope to kick that off again in the new year. Uh, another one that a lot of people don't know about um, because of the sensitivity of it is um, earlier this year, we started a ministry called Celebrate Recovery. And we've got, I think it's five people who meet every Monday night in person. They've been doing so for um, many months and um, are experiencing recovery from their hurts, hangups, and addictions. Our hope is that in early 2022, we can have new Celebrate Recovery groups formed. And um, I love that. So this, this ministry is really like a seed that was planted and it's like a little uh, sprout and it's over here in the greenhouse and it's kind of out of sight of all of you, but there's this plant that is growing that's really beautiful. And what I'm excited about is um, as our church experiences freedom and recovery from whatever hurts, hangups, pain, suffering, trauma, loss, PTSD, addictions, whatever it is, um, we live in a community full of that. And I long for the day for when people outside of our church choose to not go to rehab, but to come to one of our Celebrate Recovery groups um, because that's the healing that they need. I long for the day where, where you, some of you who have gone through or are in it right now, Celebrate Recovery, find your ministry in that. And how great would it be to have several Celebrate Recovery groups um, and people not even in our church and people not even following Jesus are being helped and loved and served through that. I mean, that really gets me excited. Um, last part is mission. Um, we have our snack pack program at Hawthorne. We've done it in the past also at Bowden. We've paid for Hawthorne and we volunteered at both. Um, and so um, we are not clear. Uh, we've been told that, hey, it's, it, it's gonna ramp back up and that we need muscle for, we need people to volunteer to do snack pack. Um, and I know that the school district is making a decision on whether outsiders are allowed back on. So I don't think anybody is certainly clear, at least I'm not, I'm not clear on how it's going to work, but I just wanna say snack pack remains a part of our ministry, um, tackling food insecurity among children. And um, however we are allowed to participate, we will participate. Um, this one is in pencil and it's in like gray and it's alpha. Alpha is an, an incredible um, kind of pathway to help people who are kicking the tires on the faith in Jesus um, learn more about them. And um, it is one of the greatest outreaches that the church has right now around the world. I mean, it is incredible. One of the keys to Alpha is having a team of leaders, not just one, but a team of leaders who are passionate about this and are gifted in holding non-judgmental, hospitable space for people who are curious. And so, um, so far that has not popped up, but I am praying that in the Lord's time, there will be people in our church who have a passion for seeing people come to know Jesus and they, want, and they have um, a desire to hold um, hospitable, non-judgmental space to allow people to ask questions and experience the wooing of the Holy Spirit. And um, I don't know, you know, when that will happen, but I want to keep putting that on the board to say we have a vision and we have a place for this in our church, um, but it would require people in the body to step up and do the work of the ministry. And so if that is interesting to you, please reach out to me. Um, and, and this last one I'm really excited about is... Um, how I was trained to do missions is to come up with a great idea and then rally people around it and like kind of really manipulate them to go and do this thing. Like, hey, we're gonna feed the poor. You should, you should care about the poor. Haven't you read Matthew 25? How dare you not care about feeding the poor? Oh, you're guilty. Well, we're gonna go and feed the poor this weekend and you should show up. And if you don't, you're going to hell. You know, like we, we, we've been trained, that's a caricature, but we've been trained to do that. I think a better way would be to say, hey, church, are there, are there some of you, are there, is there at least one of you, is there a handful of you that have a passion in regards to a problem in this world? And instead of us coming up with what we should do, maybe it'd be better if we asked you to pay attention to what God's laying on your heart, and then we learn how to come alongside of you and equip you and fund you and, and surround people around you and cheer you on and encourage you 
um, I, th I think that would be a better way. So I'm asking you to, to really be praying, consider, like, is there a ministry that God has put on your heart? Uh, um, and if, if you're waiting for me to create it, I'm, my friend, that's not the route. Um, I'm waiting for you and I'm calling you to raise your hand, come get coffee with me, email me, and let's explore what it would look like. Um, you know, there was a, a handful of people in our church, uh, Adriana and Tiff and Catherine and some others who had a passion years ago on seeing the church learn how to disciple people out of racism. And I just said, go. You got the green light. Go meet, pray, figure out what God's calling you to do, and come give me a report, and we'll, we'll discern together. And as we did that, it over, I think, about a year and a half, it resulted in, let's do Be the Bridge. Um, and, and so my job as a pastor is just say, yes, you got the green light. How can I help? And, and so um, whether that's in areas like human trafficking, which I've been learning a lot about, which is an un which is the number one form of slavery in our world right now, um, or whether that's with teen pregnancy and addressing the issues of, 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 of abortion on the ground level, or whether that's food insecurity, like something like snack pack or something similar, or whether that's homelessness or poverty or whatever, you, you know, you, or that's mentoring um, children. You know, it could be so, I just want to give you a couple examples that are easy to come to my mind, but um, I want you to know, like, I don't have the calling or the energy to come up with all these things and then like marshal you to them. What I have, my job is to equip you to do the ministry and to say, hey, is God calling you? Do you have an imagination? Are you up at night over a problem? Is God calling our church to, to, to step out in mission to do this? And, and, can we, and can we encourage some people to rally around behind you? Can we build a team? Can we, you know, and, and so uh, that may be something for you. And I just want to put that out there. Um, we are uh, creating a prayer form of everything that I just shared with you. And it'll be available on our website. I'm emailing it out. So if you're on our email list, you will get it. Um, it will eventually, as soon as we get it done, it'll be for download in, in the description of this. But I want to ask you to take what I just shared and to print it out and to put it in your Bible or put it in your journal or put it on your fridge or put it on your bathroom mirror as a reminder of how you can pray for our church every day. And I want to ask you in, in some of these next steps to, to, number one, pray. This is how you can pray for our church. This is how you can pray. The second thing I want to ask you is to engage. Engage with this stuff. Um, as you pray, look for an area for you to engage with, or maybe it's several areas. But how is God calling you to engage with the body of Christ in these areas and to be a contributing member that is doing its part to making the whole body grow up into the maturity of Jesus in the standard and measure of love? And the last thing I want to ask you to do is to give. It takes money to do all of this stuff. Um, I know that the pandemic has been hard financially on many people. And I know the pandemic has also been lucrative for many people. But regardless of situation, regardless of whether it's been hard or whether you've experienced a windfall, my friends, our calling as people of Jesus is to be givers, is to give, not when it's convenient, but to give because that's the heart of God in us. For God so loved the world that he gave. God's a giver. God so loved the world when he saw a need, when he saw heartache, he didn't just say, well, but he gave and he gave the greatest gift. He gave himself. God so loved the world that he gave. He gave his only son that whoever would believe in him would have eternal life. And I want to ask you, my friends, my church, my family, my brothers and sisters, to give to the house of the Lord. 2 Corinthians 9, 7 says, Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly, not under compulsion, not under manipulation from your pastor. For God loves a cheerful giver. This is the verse of the day this week, and I was struck by the third word in this sentence that I never really paid attention to, because I love the part, God loves a cheerful giver, but that each one, 
must give. This is not a suggestion. The scriptures don't suggest that you give to kingdom ministry, that you give to the church as a form of worship to God. 2 Corinthians 9, 7 isn't a suggestion. It's not a hint. It's saying each one, every one of you, no exceptions, must give. As you've decided in your heart, it must come from with you, and you should not give reluctantly. And if you're giving reluctantly, you need to do business with the Lord. And you should not give under compulsion. I'm not, I'm not compelling you. I'm not manipulating you. I don't see the amount of money people give. When I look at you, I don't see dollar signs. God loves a cheerful giver. And I want to ask you, my friends, are you cheerfully giving to the work of God that he's called you to? Shari and I, and I say this to not shame, Shari and I lead in this area. We have always tithed. We've always given the first 10% of everything that God has blessed us with. When I was working at 15, making $5 an hour cleaning toilets at a church, I gave. I tithed. When Shari was working as a bagger at a grocery store at 15, Every, every month in our marriage, we've been married. Tomorrow is our 16th wedding anniversary, September 10th. I'm recording this on Thursday. September 10th is our wedding anniversary, 16 years, I think. That's the math. Honey, don't watch this. But um, for 16 years, my friends, I'm, t- I'm, giving, I'm not saying this to shame you. I'm giving you, uh, I'm telling you, I practice this every single paycheck my wife and I have received for the last 16 years. The first thing we've done is we've taken 10% at least and we've given it to the Lord as a sign of obedience, as a sign of gratitude, as a sign of worship. If you're not doing that, I'm not compelling you, but I'm, 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 I'm asking you You've got some business to do with the Lord, don't you? We've been incredibly blessed in ways materially and immaterially. And I believe it's because we have remained in a position where our hands are open. We don't, our position is not like this. Our position is like this. And when your position is like this, you allow and consent to God blessing you in so many ways beyond money. And you don't do it to get it. You do it because It's what he's called us to do in his word. Now, I'm the type of person, if you know me, I'm an all or nothing guy. I don't do anything halfway. I'm the type of person, if if we didn't tithe, and I heard this, I would rip the bandaid off and say, you know what? We're just gonna do it and it's gonna hurt and we're gonna make it work. And uh, because it's what God's, that's my personality. That's not most people's personality. And so if you're like, man, I don't give anything, and you're hearing like, wait, God actually calls us to give 10%. That's a lot. It is a lot. We built that habit over our lives. But listen, um, you should give in your heart as you decide and do it cheerfully. And if you can't rip off the Band-Aid like I would do, that's fine. But I want to ask you to start somewhere. Start 1%, 5%. Start somewhere. And if you're at 10%, Is it time to go 11? Is it time to go beyond the minimum requirement? I want to ask you this pointed question. If you are more faithful to services like Netflix, Spotify, Disney+, HBO Max, your favorite coffee shop, whatever subscription service you have, YouTube TV, ESPN, whatever, if you are more faithful, faithfully, if you are more faithful each month, to those streaming services more and before the Lord, may I just lovingly suggest that your priorities are out of whack. And I don't say that to offend you. I don't say that to manipulate you. I don't know what you give. But may I suggest to you, if you are more faithful to Netflix than you are the house of God, you have a spiritual problem. And I I admonish you to do business with the Lord. (laughs) 
And if you need help from us to do that, we will love you and serve you in, in whatever way you need. But listen, my friends, it is not holy to be more faithful financially to Disney or Spotify or YouTube than you are to the house of the Lord. And so if you've got a list, and I know this is like no one pays for Netflix. So you're like, I don't pay, it's my parents' account. You get the point. If you spend more money on coffee every month than you do, worshiping the Lord and investing in kingdom work, my friends, my friends, that is not healthy. It's not holy. And there's no manipulation come from me. I'm telling you this as someone who has been walking in this you can't do math in front of a camera. Since I was 15, I'll be 38 soon. You can do the math. I've been doing this for a long time, and I'm telling you, you are missing out on God's blessing and his will for your life if you prior, prioritize all of those other things than worshiping him with what he has blessed you with. And now is a good time to confess that, to be honest with that, and repent. And if, if that's you, if that's not you, and you're like, yeah, Drew, we've been faithful. Thank you. God bless you. If that's you, I want to I challenge you to repent today, to change it today, not tomorrow, not, okay, next week I'll talk to my spouse. No, no, no. Or if you're single, like today, right now, after this is over, put in action. Do it today. Don't wait. Delayed obedience is still disobedience. And I know that may be a hard word for you, but listen, Jesus said, it is the love of money that's the root of all evil. And if the love of money and if the, if the trust you have in mammon, this unfaithful wealth, is getting in the way of your devotion and love for the Lord, my friends, I'm just pastorally saying, you have, you have a problem, and I encourage you to repent and believe the good news. And if you need our help in working through that stuff, I know, I mean, we'd love to love you. And again, I have no one in mind. I am not, I do, I do not see dollar signs above your head. I care for your soul. I care for your holiness. I care for your health. And I care for our body. Our church needs to be a church, a body, where each piece is working together properly so that we will not only give glory to God, but we will give glory to God as people of love who are mature. Father, we surrender everyone and everything. We give you all these things. We give you our visions. We give you our hunches. We give you our preferences. We give you our will and our agenda. And we just say, your will be done. Your kingdom come. Give us the things we need. Forgive us of where we have wronged. Lead us into the right places, not into temptation. And Lord, deliver all of us and deliver our church from the evil one. And I specifically ask God, you would deliver our church from the stronghold of this pandemic, the stronghold of fear, and the stronghold of greed, and the stronghold of a poverty mentality. Lord, set us free so that we may be the people you've called us to be. It's in the name of the Father, Son, and Spirit, we pray. Amen. How's that? Man, I'm fired up. Let's go.